So we are jumping in on week two in our story of Saul, who will become known as Paul, but he's introduced to us as Saul. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to actually step out of the storyline of Acts and draw a little bit of the story from a different book of the Bible. When I was, oh man, probably six years old, seven years old maybe, I lived on the campus of ABI because my dad was a teacher there and we lived in the duplex on the lower part of campus. And if you've ever been on ABI campus, you know that along the hillside there, there is a number of like gullies that go down the hill with ridges in between. And my brother Levi and I decided with our neighbors, Jamie and Michelle Allison, to go on an adventure in the woods. And I don't know what precipitated this idea, but we decided we were going to go further than we'd ever gone before. So we crossed one of the gullies up the ridge on the other side, crossed another gully or two, I'm not sure, explored through the forest, and then made our way back and couldn't find our way back. We crossed as many gullies as we thought we had crossed on the way there, realized we were lost in the forest. As a six-year-old, that was very terrifying. Uh, but I remember thinking, I remember having a specific thought, and you've probably had this thought before, and this is actually a thought that's often triggered by adversity. I remember as a six-year-old thinking to myself, or asking myself, whose idea was this? Uh, if you've ever had something happen where you've run into uh, some kind of adversity or challenge or trial or something, doing something with a group of people, and then things go south, things go poorly, or the, the plan doesn't pan out, and you find yourself asking uh, yourself, whose idea was this? How did I end up here at this point? So this week, we are going to look, in, in keeping up with the story of Saul, we're actually going to look in Galatians. So if you have your Bible with you or your Bible app, uh, there is a Bible on the Church on the Rock Homer app, uh, open up to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to look at chapter 1 and 2, where Paul is going to tell a little bit of his story right after his conversion. And it's a part of the story that we don't find exactly in the same way in the book of Acts. But here's what happened, and this is why Paul is telling you this story. The, the people of Galatia, they heard the good news of the gospel it was presented to them, and they believed, and then they ran into some challenges, they ran into some adversity, and based upon Paul's response to their adversity, it seems as if they were asking the question, whose idea was this anyways? Where did, how did we all end up here, and who, who did we listen to to get us to this point? So I'm going to tell you just sort of Paul's uh, little bit of his storyline from uh, Galatians. I'm going to sort of read it, but I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, and then I want to come back, and uh, we're going to look at uh, five quick observations uh, that Paul makes as he is responding to the Galatians, asking the question, wait, whose idea was this anyways? We listen to the gospel, the good news, 
but why? So Paul says, I'm going to pick this up in, uh, this is, of course, in Galatians. This is later, so this is Paul speaking uh, after his name change. He says, uh, I want you to know, brothers, so he calls them brothers because he's their family as, as followers of Jesus. They are children of God, uh, brothers and sisters of Christ. I want you to know that the gospel that I shared with you, the good news, uh, was not according to man. I didn't receive it from man. I wasn't taught it by man. The good news that I shared with you, I received uh, as a revelation from Jesus Christ. Because you've heard how formerly I lived in Judaism. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure. You heard how I tried to destroy the church of God. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, uh, my fellow countrymen, the other Jews. I was more extremely zealous and passionate for our, our ancient traditions. But then God, but then God set me apart even from my mother's womb, he called me. He was pleased to reveal his son so that I could preach about his son. And this is what happened. After I received that calling from God regarding his son, I did not go up to Jerusalem to the apostles who were before me, but instead I left Damascus and went to Arabia. I went the other direction. And then came back to Damascus. And then it wasn't until three years later that I made my way up to Jerusalem. And I was in Jerusalem for two weeks and a day, for 15 days. During my time in Jerusalem, I met with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. And those were the only two people that I spoke to during that time. I was still unknown by sight to the churches in that area. No one knew who I was. But there was rumors circulating. There was a story circulating about my conversion, that the one who had persecuted the church, who had tried to destroy it, was now preaching their message. And they were giving glory to God because of that testimony. And then, after 14 years, 14 years from the time of my conversion, I went back up to Jerusalem again, and I took Barnabas, and I took Titus. And it was because of a revelation I went up. Paul says, God prompted me to go up to Jerusalem. I went up, and I submitted to them, them being the apostles, the ones who had followed Jesus from the very beginning. I submitted to them the gospel, the good news that I had been preaching because I had developed a concern over the course of 14 years, something in me uh, gave me pause. I, I actually began to wonder if I had been, if I had been uh, preaching in vain or if I had strayed or missed the point. 
So I went up to Jerusalem, I met with the apostles, and in private, to those who were of reputation, the leaders of the church, these are the disciples of Jesus that, that, that lived with him and walked with him and ministered with him. I submitted my gospel to them, my good news, my message that I had been preaching for the previous 14 years. And those who are of high reputation, this is in verse 6 of chapter 2, those who are of high reputation contributed nothing to my message. I discovered that the message that I had been preaching is the same message that they had been preaching. And they recognized that the grace had been given to me. And James and Peter and John, the pillars of the church, they gave to me and to Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we could continue preaching this good news to the Gentiles. And the only thing that they actually asked of us is that we would remember the poor. And that's the very thing that we were already wanting to do. So there's Paul's timeline from Galatians. So here we go. Five quick observations answering the question, whose idea was this anyways? Number one, Saul's good news was not his own message. Saul makes it very clear, this was not a message that I came up with. The good news that I have is not something that I developed, that I... Uh, concocted on my own. Galatians 1.13 and following, you heard of my former life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church. Beyond measure, I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous of my ancestral tradition, traditions. But when God, that's the turning phrase, I was actually going in the opposite direction of the message of the good news. I was antagonistic towards it. I was opposing it. I was fighting against it. And then God intervened. Saul says, this is not my message. You know my life previously. You know what, what I was doing, what I was up to. Secondly, Saul's good news, his message, was not another person's message. In verse 11, he says, I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it by man. This, this message of good news, I want you to know, not only was it not my idea, but I did not get this message from another person who gave me the message. And then he says in verse 16, and then after I received the message, I didn't go to anyone to, to validate the message. He says, I did not consult with flesh and blood, and I didn't go up to Jerusalem. And then in Galatians 2.6, he says, and those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. I didn't get this message from another person. I didn't look to another person to validate my message. And when I did finally, 14 years later, have these pillars of the church look at my message, they didn't offer any changes to my message. So Saul's good news was not his message. 
Saul's good news was not another person's message. Thirdly, Saul's good news was not a humanistic message, meaning a message that appeals to man's basic nature. He says in verse 10, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus. Paul says, if you think that I came up with this message, that I developed this message, and I'm now uh, promoting this message for my own benefit, Paul says, there, you would be hard-pressed to say that in the ways that most people care about, that my life has improved since following Christ. It's actually gotten worse. I used to be rich. I used to be uh, well-respected. I had a prestigious position of respect and power, and all of that has been lost. So if someone suggests that I'm promoting this message for some humanistic gain, he says, if I, want, if I was after what people are generally after in life, I would not be following Jesus. Saul's good news was not a humanistic message. Number four, Saul's good news was not an angelic message. In verse 8 of chapter 1 in Galatians, he says, even if we or even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we said before, and I'll say it again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Paul actually tells the Galatians, we're trying to figure out whose idea this was. He says, listen, the message that I presented to you, even if, if, if something that is clearly a supernatural celestial being were to show up and be uh, so overwhelmingly awesome so as to cause you to fall on your knees and bow down. If that angelic creature suggests to you a message different than what you received from us, that angelic creature is not who you think it is. That angelic creature is accursed, meaning a demon. On October 20th of last year, you can go back on our Vimeo page and find this. I did a teaching on John chapter 5. The title of the teaching is, Am I Really I Am? And in that teaching, I addressed the, the beginnings of Jehovah Witness tradition, uh, Islam, the Mormon tradition. And what these things have in common is visitations from angelic beings who provided a message that was contrary to the message that Paul was delivering. Paul forewarned of this. If you're interested in, in going back and listening to that again because you have those questions or if you missed it and you have questions about uh, those, those uh, lines of faith and how they got started, why are they similar to Christianity but different, Go back and check that out. But Saul says, listen, the message that I have is not an angelic message. 
Lastly, number five. Saul's good news was a message from Jesus about Jesus. Period. End of story. The good news that he had, the gospel, which means good news, the good news that Paul carried, that Paul received, and that Paul delivered was a message that he had received directly from the resurrected Jesus And it was a message about Jesus, which in his ministry, he immediately began to defend through the scriptures, through the Old Testament and the prophets. He went back and he said, sure enough, Jesus is all the way through it. Galatians 1, 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel which is not another gospel. In other words, it's not good news. The message of works and performance-based religion is not good news. You've you moved away from the good news for another good news, but this one is not good news. But there are some who are disturbing you And they want to distort the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. So the adversity that they were experiencing was these other people who came in and started distorting the message and trying to replace the good news about Jesus with the good news about performance-based religion. And Paul says, first of all, that's not good news. Second of all, what they're distorting was my original message, which was a message that I received from Jesus about Jesus. That's what they're corrupting. He says in Galatians 1.12, I received this message through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what we read about last week. Paul, or Saul, didn't get his message by talking to the followers of Jesus. He was persecuting them. He didn't get his message by talking to the apostles who had walked and ministered with Jesus. Paul received his message and his ministry from a direct encounter with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. When Jesus confronted him and said, why are you persecuting me? Galatians 2.2, it was because of a revelation that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. but I did so in private. To those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. He says it was 14 years later that I had this this sense from God, just go up and confirm this. And I went and and I talked to the closest friends of Jesus, James, Peter, and John. And I told them what I was telling people about Jesus, what I had received from Jesus and what I was sharing regarding Jesus. And those three men said to me, you've got it exactly right. That's the same message that we're preaching. Saul's good news was a message from Jesus about Jesus. So here's a conclusion. I want to tie this into our current situation. 
quickest way to move, or the quickest path, the shortest path away from the good news is to lose sight of Jesus in your faith. It's to focus on practices. It's to uh, focus on traditions. Um, it's to focus on works, obedience, self-discipline. All of those things are valuable. But when anything other than Jesus becomes the central expression of your faith, of your walk, you will start to, over time, lose a sense of it being good news. It doesn't, it loses that, that sort of life-giving, vitality-bringing quality to it when you move away from Jesus as the central message. In our current situation right now, there are a lot of people asking faith questions. There are people who are not walking with the Lord who are asking new faith questions, moving towards the Lord. And then there are people who were walking with God who are asking questions away and saying, what does this mean about the goodness of God? In answering those questions uh, for yourself personally or in conversation with others, it has to lead back to Jesus because that is what the, that is the good news. If you are if you are asking questions about the character and nature of God and His work in in uh, in our lives and our circumstances. Those questions have to be asked in the context of, of going back and discovering Jesus again as the center of it all. Looking at the life of Jesus through the scriptures. Inviting Jesus into your present circumstances. Inviting Jesus through his spirit to have authority over your life and submitting to his will. It's, it's in relationship with Jesus and the transforming effect that the testimony of his life and ministry has on our lives that the gospel actually feels like good news. I've had, uh, over the years, so many conversations with individuals who hear the good news about Jesus and say to me personally, I've I've heard a lot of messages about Scripture, but I've never heard the good news. Saul says, this isn't my message. This isn't their message. It's not a humanistic message that, that man by his basic nature would even come up with. It's not an angelic message that some otherworldly creature shared with me. My message is this, is that Jesus, by his grace, has rescued you and invited you into a relationship with him. That's my message. Where did I get that message? From Jesus himself. That's what I'm telling you. You want to know whose idea this was? This was Jesus' idea. And if you want to better understand what he intends for you in your life and how his message is good news, this is what I would suggest you do. Go back and get to know Jesus and make that central to your growth uh, in faith.
It's we as believers individually and we as a church collectively. Uh, it's we are a light to our community and to our world. We are a light exactly to the extent that we personally and collectively are drawing from Jesus and then sharing about Jesus with others. God, I pray that you would increase our commitment to engage relationally with you. That central to our growth in faith, in maintaining uh, hope and freedom and love in our lives, that we would be centered in you, that we would be growing in relationship with you and growing in our witness of you. God, I pray for Church on the Rock. I pray that this one thing would set us apart. Our commitment to knowing Jesus and loving in the way that he loves. Our commitment to knowing Jesus and sharing Jesus with those that we encounter. We pray these things in Jesus' name.